Welcome to Finance in the Clouds. Modern finance is broken, forcing finance and accounting teams to work like it's 1985, the year Excel was invented. Here, we talk about the struggles finance teams face in fast-growing companies and discuss how they can spend less time catching up and more time in the clouds. I'm your host, Jake Jones, multimedia producer and brand influencer at Zone Co. And I'm joined this week by two of our partners from Avalara, George Padilla, Senior Strategic Alliance Manager, and Sam Blass, Sales Executive. Again, both from Avalara. Thanks for joining me again today, guys. Nice meeting you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Jake, excited to be on the show. Thanks for having us. There are two things in life you can be certain of, death and taxes. While it's not always, quote, a fun topic, making sure your company is tax compliant is an important part of ensuring your business's success. Today, we're going to introduce you to some of the complexities surrounding sales tax. George, Sam, again, thank you both for being here. Really excited to get into this topic about sales compliance. But before we do, I wanted to give you both a space just to talk a little bit more about what you do and who Avalara is. So Sam, why don't you go first? Tell us a little bit about Avalara and then what you do for the company. Yeah, thanks, Jake. So, you know, what you mentioned was similar to what we hear on calls. Everyone likes talking about sales tax. It's uh, such a fun topic, you know, but uh, yeah, I'm an, a sales executive here at Avalara and I help my clients and customers navigate uh, evaluating Avalara's solutions to assist with automating tax compliance. Avalara is a cloud solution that integrates into a multitude of, of ERPs and accounting systems to help automate tax collection and remittance back to the states. We assist our clients in everything from tax guidance research through, again, automation of this pass-through activity that we have to navigate on a day-to-day -day basis as these companies run their business. Perfect. And George, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, thanks, Jake. So yeah, my name is George Padilla. been with Avalara about six years. The reason why that is important because I work hand in hand with Sam. So if any of Zonin Company's clients ever decide to move forward with Avalara, I work with Zonin Company in the background to make sure that you guys are running on all cylinders. You know, whether it's an issue with upgrades, whether you need to, you know, have a new customer account manager and you need to figure out who that is. I'm Zonin Company's go-to person for everything. So my job is to just make everything run as smoothly as possible. So anytime you have an issue, you reach out to Zone and Company and I'm the guy in the background escalating everything. And being here at six years, I know a lot of people. So it really helps and make things smooth a lot smoother. Thank you both again. Really excited to have your expertise here. We certainly appreciate all you do for us here at Zone, but especially glad to have you both here for your expertise on tax law. We've talked before. I know, George, you and I have met and we've talked about the complexities of sales tax. Obviously, we're going to dive into that a little bit here, but you were telling me some of your favorite kind of funny tax laws, and I feel like that would just be a great place to start to just talk about how ridiculous some tax laws can get, especially when you look from state to state. So I know you had mentioned a couple in our first conversation, so why don't you share some of your favorites with me? Yeah, absolutely. It's just amazing how disjointed United States is with sales tax. I mean, if sales tax wasn't complicated in the United States, we wouldn't be in business. So our job is to make companies' lives easier. And some interesting sales tax laws are, you know, you take a bagel in New York. Well, a bagel is considered a food, so it's tax-free. However, if you slice that bagel in half, all of a sudden there's a tax associated to it. Why? 
it's considered prepared food and prepared food is taxable in the state of New York. You take donuts. If you buy five donuts or less in the state of Texas, it's taxable. However, if you buy six donuts or more, it's tax-free. No idea why that's the case. Also in the state of Indiana, a cookies and cream Hershey bar is tax-free. However, a regular Hershey bar is taxable. Any idea why, Jake? Do you want to take a guess? I'm going to assume it has something to do with more elements put into it, but I don't know. What, what is it? That's close. That's close. So a regular Hershey bar is taxable and a cookies and cream Hershey bar is tax-free because in the cookies and cream Hershey bar, there's wheat flour in that item. And wheat is considered a food and a subsidized item in the state of Indiana, which now makes it tax-free. It's not just limited to products either. You take services. Snow removal in Ohio is taxable, but in Illinois, it's tax-free. So imagine being a controller or a VP of finance trying to figure out what these sales tax rates are in one state. It's easy to do in one state. But if you start going into more and more states, you know, anything over three, you really start looking at automating. You know, there was 32,000 sales tax changes in the last couple of years alone. Being able to keep up with that is really tough. Some interesting stories. And I have a ton more, but for the sake of time, I'll, I'll just move on from there. But yeah. I appreciate it. Well, yeah, those are definitely really funny. And I certainly wouldn't have to be paying taxes on donuts in Texas. At least half a dozen <laughs> we're getting we're getting those donuts. So, well, Sam, did you have any other of those kind of just funny tax laws that you'd like to add into that? I think George hit it pretty well. I would say I don't find much... Uh, much of it funny because I'm on the front lines and, and I deal with a lot of the frustrations of folks that have to navigate the sales tax space. So funny is not the word I would put, you know, more so frustrating and complex. But yeah, the only one I could think of would just be the local jurisdictions. You know, you have like zoning company is a software company, right? And so you're selling software and in one local jurisdiction in Colorado, it, it's taxable. And then there's another jurisdiction down the road where it's non-taxable and navigating that inside of your systems can be very difficult. So those are the frustrations and complexities that I see on a daily basis when talking to customers and clients. One of those interesting complexities about software, interestingly enough, is that there are 250 different ways of charging sales tax to software in the United States. It's insane. So whether it's canned software, whether it's custom made software, whether it's cloud-based software, there's 250 different ways of charging. It's just incredible. That is incredible. We're already naturally getting into some of the complexities and I do want to get more into that. But before we get much further, and this may be a silly question, but I do think it's important to remind listeners and everyone else about this, but why is compliance so important? Why is it so important? It's a great question. You never want to have the day where the tax man calls and you don't have your ducks in a row. If there's one quick shot to a company that can set everything back rather quickly, it's a letter in the mail from the tax man. And 
getting in front of it early allows you to pave a path that ensures you're not hitting those speed bumps in regards to a large liability that you could have offset by just accurately collecting in the first place, right? This pass through or transactional tax that is sales tax, ensuring you're passing that on to the end user when possible or substantiating a sale with an exemption certificate and ensuring that it's valid. These are all things that can allow you to avoid any of those future headaches when a state comes calling in regards to the sales tax compliance. One thing I'll add to as well is that 42 states in the United States right now are operating at a deficit. No politicians ever gotten elected by saying, hey, we're going to raise your property taxes or we're going to raise your income taxes. You know, sales tax is the way that they get that most amount of revenue for their states. Now, if you think about it, if they're not getting revenue from income tax or, or property taxes, they're getting it on sales tax. They want to make sure they get that amount. So what states have actually done is hired more and more auditors to actually go and look at these companies and say, hey, have you charged the correct amount of sales tax? And you want to be as accurate as possible. And the reason why is because if you undercharge, you're cutting into your margins. But if you overcharge, you're not going to be competitive with other companies that are selling the same product. So you really want to be as accurate as possible so you don't have that liability. Great explanation, guys. And thanks again for explaining that of why it's important for companies. You don't want to be over or under there. You want to be competitive. So let's get back into some of the tax law complexities. What makes tax law so complicated? You can easily boiled down to the complexities of tax law, the United States, every state has different approach to sales tax. And once you are broadening your scope outside of the US, you're even more so, you know, VAT is in, in the EU is com managed completely differently than transactional tax in the States or PST, HST in Canada is managed completely differently. The way you remit those taxes back to the governing bodies, the laws around what you charge for or the amount of tax that you charge is different in regards to you know each country. The goal of a company is to grow as large as you can, right? Let's spread our wings. And when you do that, you are essentially letting in all of these complexities in each state where every law is different and in each country where the laws are different. It's a beast for a small accounting team to handle. So if you're able to leverage software that has the content and the information stored, you know, managed inside of it, again, it just allows, you know, peace of mind to ensure that as you scale, you're not leaving yourself a headache down the road in regards to a call from the tax man. So there's a couple of different reasons why sales tax is so complicated. In the United States, there's over 12,000 jurisdictions that all have different sales tax rates. So taking that alone, that's one. And then you have something called nexus, which is the obligation to collect sales tax within a certain demographic. So the problem is, is that there's multiple different layers of this nexus. You know, The nexus that everyone knows in the past has been physical presence. However, there's been a lot of different layers that are added on for this requirement to collect sales tax, one of which was famously a click-through nexus. So banner ads on websites, you know, that's how Amazon got dinged by the state of New York. 
New York was trying to get Amazon to collect sales tax for the longest time. And they kept on saying, we don't have any physical presence. We don't have any physical presence. Well, how they ended up getting caught was they were posting on the Boy Scouts of America website and they had a banner ad. And if you clicked on it to the residents of New York, it would reroute them to Amazon. Well, it went to the Supreme Court of New York and the Supreme Court sided with the state saying, hey, yes, that is considered a physical presence. So now you're required to collect sales tax for that reason. Additionally, since 2018, there's a Supreme Court case called Wayfair versus South Dakota that essentially added a new layer, which is called economic nexus. So it didn't matter if you had physical presence anymore. What you were required to do was to collect sales tax based on the sales of every state. So for example, in Texas and in California, all they care about is the dollar amount, $500,000 in sales. So once you get past that number, now you're required to collect sales tax. However, in Georgia, it's $100,000 in sales or 200 retail transactions, which means that you can sell a widget for a dollar a piece into the state of Georgia. And if you sell 200 widgets with a total revenue of 200 bucks, you are required to collect sales tax. However, in Connecticut, it's 100,000 in sales and 200 transactions. So you can sell a turbine engine for a million dollars a piece in the state of Connecticut. If you sell a hundred of them, you have a hundred million in sales. And since it doesn't reach that 200 transaction threshold, you can have a hundred million dollars in sales and not have to collect sales tax. Whereas in Kansas, if you sell even a dollar, you have to collect sales tax. So every state is different. So every state has different sales tax rates. Every county has sales tax rates. Every city has sales tax rates. Then everyone has a different requirement for what to collect and how much to collect and what triggers that. So if it's 500,000 in sales in California and Texas or 100,000 in Georgia, those are different requirements as well. Then adding all on top of that, you have exemption certificates and each state has different exemption certificate requirements. So Florida, you can apply for an exemption certificate November 1st and it expires December 31st and you have to reapply because it resets every December 31st of every year. However, in New Jersey, it's every five years, you know, so every state is different. So it just makes it more and more complex. Wow. That is so much to keep up with. And again, thankful for y'all's expertise to just know some examples off the cuff there. George, I know something we had talked about before the podcast was also looking at, there's all these different complexities with the states, but then you talk about going cross-border, selling globally. That just adds even more complexities to it. The, did you have anything else you wanted to add to that? Yeah, 100%. There's so many things that go involved, whether it's doing cross-border, you have to pay VAT taxes. Everyone has their own landing itemization classification. So every state has a different code. So clothing, for example, the United States could be 121.141.345, whatever it is. Germany will have a completely different number. Canada will have a completely different number for these item classification codes. So we can handle that and we can translate that. Then a lot of times you need representation for filing those taxes. So you need a physical person in those countries to sell to. So that also can be a problem. And then VAT taxes as well. 
Good example is that I have a VP that lives in Toronto and he ordered a GoPro online. Well, that GoPro was listed online. It was like 200 bucks. Great. Let me order it. It was $100 cheaper than anyone else. So he gets it in the mail and all of a sudden the postman has his package and be like, hey, here's the GoPro and here's a bill for $100. My VP goes, what? He's like, yeah, apparently the VAT taxes weren't included in this purchase. So now you're required to pay it before we can hand you this item. So that does a couple of things. It gives you a bad experience online. And with all of these online retailers, as I mentioned before, if you undercharge, you're not being competitive because you're cutting into your margins, in which case that could affect your business altogether. But if you overcharge, you won't be competitive at all. So it's really important that you be as accurate as possible. And that's going to give someone a bad experience if you don't calculate it accurately. And if you give someone a bad experience, there's so many choices. Why would you want to go to a website that does that, right? You probably wouldn't. The codes that you align when you're shipping products overseas, those codes that you align to each product to ease the cross-border flow, they update every five years. I think it was just this past year that these codes were updated. And so we had a client that we were working with who didn't update these cross-border codes, harmonization codes, and their products were being held up at the border, which was causing delays in shipments to their customers, right? They're getting customers calling in, where's, I'm looking for my product, where is it? Well, it's stuck at the border, right? Well, if, if we would have known that the classification code was being updated, we were able to align that on the shipping label and we you know, updated their systems accordingly, they wouldn't have this influx of customer issues of, my products being held up at the border, right? And so it comes down to both a compliance discussion, but also a customer experience discussion in regards to an additional payment that they may have to shell out when receiving this, whether it's for additional taxes that need to be paid or duties that weren't paid at the border that now are being absorbed by the end user. And if they just would have been aware of that upon purchase, it's a much easier purchase for the customer. You guys have brought up so many great points. I did want to bring up one other thing, George, that you had mentioned even just a second ago about thousand plus sales tax changes within a year. Did you want to talk any more about that? I'd love to hear more about that's kind of another layer of the complexity, right? Is that these laws are already complex, but then you add that they're changing constantly. So tell me more about that. Yeah, absolutely. So if it was just a thousand, that would be easy for companies to manage. But in the last couple of years, it's been 32,000 changes because there's 12,000 jurisdictions that all can change their taxes. So whether it's an additional bond, let's say you're building a stadium, let's say there is a special assessment that's built. And those a lot of times are added to sales tax, whether it's 0.5% or a percentage point. And the thing is, is that like different cities, take Denver, for example, Sam, I'm sure you would know this being from Colorado, you know, you could be across the street. There's a stadium tax that you have to pay, but that's only in a certain location within Denver. It's not all of Denver. And a lot of times because of gentrification or gerrymandering or redistricting, depending on what side of that political fence you're on, you know, all of these localizations change. So because of this redistricting, you can't rely on that zip plus four anymore because these sales tax rates are based on congressional districts. And if you're changing those congressional districts every few years, then those sales tax ranges change also. But what doesn't change is that zip plus four. So it really 
is not an accurate way of collecting sales tax. It can be very outdated. No sales tax agent is going to say, hey, we're going to let you off with a warning. They're going to ding you and you're going to pay those. Even if you don't have to pay the fines, you definitely have to pay that interest. And over the course of five, 10 years, you know, that does start adding up. Yeah, that's a good example, George, that I use quite often is where I live currently, where I'm at, you know, speaking on the podcast, I'm in a residential area. Well, behind me across the street is a business district. We have the same zip code, but the tax rate is different across the street than where I'm located. So if you have a company leveraging a zip code based type of calculation, depending on what side of the street that they're sending it to, they may actually be charging incorrect tax amount there. So either they're overcharging the end user, they're undercharging the end user. Either way, they're leaving themselves open for possible compliance risk. This is such a complex topic. And I know for me personally, I'm overwhelmed hearing of all these different things that I could be missing and misunderstanding in the law here. So I want to ask this question, and we're going to have several episodes diving into more about this topic of how it got so complicated. We're going to hear some stories of just experience of having to deal with these complications in real time, but the shift towards some hope. How do businesses stay compliant? And is there a shift in thinking in a way to make it easier to manage? Jake, I would say the first step into staying compliant is taking just a little bit of time to understand, back to George's point, what is Nexus? Understanding Nexus. And Nexus is the obligation to collect and remit sales tax. That's step one. Understanding where you are obligated to collect and remit based on your business activities. There's a plethora of resources online to help explain what Nexus is. Lean into you know, a CPA, call Avalara. There's plenty of information on our website around Nexus and services that Avalara can provide to help clean up a mess that may have been made and or automating solutions so you don't have to worry moving forward. But understanding Nexus would be the first step in my opinion. George, Sam, we've had a great conversation about introducing the complexities of sales tax. And again, I'm so glad to have had you both on to hear your knowledge and share what you know about how complex it is, hearing about all the different state laws and whether they're funny or maybe not so funny, as you mentioned, Sam. It's been great to understand how complex this topic really is. And I'm excited for future episodes to get to talk more about how we can tackle this. So thank you both again for being on. Yeah, Jake, thanks for having us. This was a blast. We're excited to come back. Yeah, absolutely. Had a great time. Thank you so much. And look forward to being invited back anytime you want us to. And now we want to hear from you. How are you dealing with the complexities of sales tax? Let us know by emailing hello at zoneandco.com. Finance in the Clouds posts bi-weekly on Fridays. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe to Finance in the Clouds wherever you get your podcasts or watch us on YouTube on the Zone & Co. YouTube channel. Be sure to visit zoneandco.com for articles and guides all about today's topic. Our next episode will continue our conversations about the complexities of sales tax. We'll see you then. Bye.